I've had those dreams where I'm in a store and I'm looking on the shelves of the store and I'm like, wait a minute, that's my stuff. That's my stuff that's for sale in the store, like my old notebooks and stuff, personal stuff, you know, not just items, toys, but my own personal items for sale in a store. And it's like horrific. Like what happened? How did I lose my stuff? And how did it wind up in a store being sold? I haven't had one of those dreams in a while, but uh, definitely one of those dream themes that has cropped up multiple times, you know. I guess you could say it's kind of a, you know, kind of a uh, commentary on, you know, our relationship with stuff and, you know, the fear of losing your stuff and everything. Um But uh, that's how I felt when I went to the estate sale this weekend. Uh, it was like that for it was like, it was like walking into that dream in some ways. Very and, and it was it's more sort of upsetting thinking about it after the fact than when I was there because when you're there in the moment, you know, it just seems kind of normal. But later, when you have time to process, like, wait, what? It was like the house I grew up in and. Uh, and, and now it's turned into a store. It's like, what? And I know those people that experienced that only experienced it probably once in their life, if once. This parent's house, the house you grew up in, has become a store now. Yeah. I know I know when some... I, I've actually... That's the first estate sale I've ever been to, in fact. I've never been to an estate sale before. And I know a lot of people don't even know, like when you say the word estate sale, what does that even mean? Well, you know, when someone dies, they, uh, they leave behind their stuff, you know, that's, that's how it works. As they say, you can't take it with you. And then uh, whoever's left has to deal with the stuff, right? I mean, there's legally an estate is formed that's a legal entity that represents what that person had owned in life, but can no longer own being deceased. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's been a rough couple years. My mother passed away back in 2021. And my father passed away earlier this year, in May of 2023. Right now it is uh, December, actually. Somehow, somehow it's become December 2023. That came quick. What the heck? Um, so yeah, so, you know, we're faced with the, uh, my brother's the executor of the estate, so he has to deal, he has to do more of the, uh, you know, day to day. He has to deal with all the, the legal matters. We have, we have a lawyer that's involved, and, you know, uh, but it had always been our intention to, to do an estate sale as a, as a means of getting rid of the stuff, because otherwise, what are we going to do with it? I guess you can do anything you want with it. If you wanted, if 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 we the children wanted to take everything, we could have. But each of us is only so much stuff we could take. I of course went through the house with a fine tooth comb. I went in uh, and went in. I, I felt it was in every every closet, every drawer, every nook and cranny to try and find things that were important, meaningful. You know, especially you know like photographs. Um, and, you know, movies, old home movies, personal documents, you know, 
the driver's licenses, et cetera, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, and, and things of any particular importance. And uh, I spent this is a few, in the past few months, and I and I just finished my it was over the summer. You know, I, I went there so much. That was kind of a rough, obviously a rough experience as well. But oh, with all the time realizing that, um, you know, I as I finished in a room, I'm like, well, the next people in this room will be, uh, you know, the estate sale people. And my brother was doing that also to a degree, but I think I I did a more of a uh, more of a thorough sweep of the house. And because I did that, my brother didn't need to do as thorough a sweep, I suppose. Uh, but I, I, my goal was to finish before I went to Italy. So, I, you know, I went to Italy at the end of August. So I was, I was uh, done. That was a few months ago now with my process. Uh, and it was actually, this estate sale was, took place later than we had hoped. But it, ha- it happened over the weekend. And today, uh, Monday, they are... Uh, they're cleaning the house out, so whatever's left is going away. I'm not sure how much is going to wind up in a dumpster, how much is going to be donated to thrift shops. I don't know. That's between my brother and the estate sale people. But I know there's different like uh, different ways you can do it. You could have an auction in an auction house, or I'm sure you could take the stuff and sell it somewhere else. But in this case, they and I think this is an established thing, they can actually turn the house into a sale, and I'm sure there's some... I would have to imagine that you have to get some sort of a uh, a permit from the town to do it. I'm sure that they do. I, it's, yeah, it just in this case, I think a society. My this is all assumptions. My assumption is society has sort of allowed this to happen because it's a it's one of the better ways of dealing with a house full of a lot of stuff, you know. And I think that um, <clears throat> I don't know how it was in times past, but you were talking about uh, the United States. Uh, in those mid-century years and up until the end of the 20th century, uh, the consumer society, right, where people are encouraged to, uh, or what's the right way of saying it, that someone's uh, self-image is connected to their how much stuff they have and stuff. And so as we all have this feeling of emptiness inside for some reason, we try to fill it with various things and our society has encouraged us to fill it with uh, retail therapy, shopping, get, uh, obtaining stuff, collecting, etc. It's a very strong human urge, but was sort of hypercharged uh, with, uh, you know, I'm sure people in the, uh, you know, the 18th century wouldn't have died with so much stuff in a, in a house. I mean, maybe they would have. I don't know. And then, of course, in recent decades, the uh, influx of cheap goods manufactured overseas, which only exacerbated the uh, issues with stuff, right? What was that? I, I heard some kind of a uh, statistic that if you walk through a Target or a Walmart, that I, I forget the, the exact, there was, I think it was something like 95% of the stuff on the shelves will be in a landfill in three months, no matter what it is. I mean, obviously, you know, like a, a bag of Doritos, the bag will be in a landfill. But even toys, electronics, uh, flashlights, whatever, 
will all be in a landfill, or most of that stuff will be in a landfill in like three months. So don't quote me on that. I, I, I don't remember. It was some. It's just that I was surprised by the statistic, and it may be totally wrong. It probably is totally wrong, but the idea that you're walking through these stores and that you know the, to the point at which the stuff is kind of meaningless that it, it's uh, you know it's not food that will give you sustenance it's just like a thing that will give you a momentary relief from that feeling of emptiness inside and then it's just chucked in the trash it's, it's a rather apocalyptic vision uh but, uh, yeah, I think it was especially, you know, I think especially, you know, in the 20th century, the sort of uh, story arc a lot of people had was being born poor and then later in life getting, if not rich, getting not poor. So my mother definitely was in that case. She was and she was from New Jersey. She actually lived in Newark when she was younger, which was a lot nicer back then than it is now. Although I know it's kind of turning around now. But but they were not rich. They were pretty poor back then. And uh, my father's family, you know, his parents were from far humbler beginnings than my mother. Uh, my grandfather was from northern Italy. Small town, which I just visited a few months ago, amazingly. Wow. My grandmother, her parents were from Italy, and she grew up in a small coal mining town out in western Pennsylvania, in the Altoona vicinity. Uh, but then, you know, in the mid-century, my grandfather, uh, you know, was able to start a construction company of his own and make a decent living. And uh, certainly, I wouldn't say rich, but not poor. Uh, so I think, you know, both, I think they probably both picked up those, uh, those patterns that now that you, now that you can, you want to get as much stuff as you, you can, amass, amass as much stuff as you can. Now I won't lie. I've, I've struggled with the stuff thing. My wife and I do struggle with stuff. We have too much stuff and it's, it feels like a force of nature that almost like we just would want to be free of this constant agony of stuff, but it feels almost like, uh, again, like a sort of a force that's outside of us that we're, we try to keep at bay, you know, I, I always think about, you know, spending time cleaning up and then a day later, everything is all out of whack again. I mean, what the hell happened here? And yes, if you trace the motions, if you trace, how did this deck of cards get here how did this pile of magazines get here yes i remember putting them there but it's just an aggregate the way that we interpret it it does sort of feel like this thing that's out of our control and of course i've had various theories over the years about you know that uh what we think of as messes and stuff and junk is is uh manifestations of uh an underlying energetic condition just a theory uh, but anyway, yeah, so, uh, um, you know, I, I had been aware, and I, you know, I've been down a few times since we got back from Italy down to the house. My wife and I went down, we did one last look around, and we took a few things, but um, we knew the sale was coming, and uh, 
has been, as I mentioned, delayed over and over, but finally went over this past week, and apparently went very well, and the, the company my brother uh, found, this woman Karen, uh, runs the company, and she was uh, really good. Uh, it was, uh, as far as I can tell, again, I don't have any experience with sample sales, with uh, estate sales, um, but she seemed to be really good at it, and had a lot of contacts, and tons of people were there. We found, as the, as the sale started on Friday, apparently we heard from a neighbor that there were cars all up and down the street early in the morning. A line out the door. They actually had someone with a clipboard, and there was a waiting list to get in. I mean, it was like, I guess a lot of people, especially if you have a store, if you have an antique store of some sort or a a, a vintage store, this is where you might get a lot of your stuff, and you might get your best stuff being the first one in. But then, so it's three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then on Sunday, I haven't heard a report about what happened uh, yesterday, but apparently... That's when everything is marked down to 50%, so you can get a lot better deals. But obviously, she even said when I was there Saturday, oh, this, this place is pretty picked over at this point, even though, even though it looked really full. I mean, uh, yeah. So anyway, I decided I wanted to go. I, I don't have to go. I didn't have to go, but I sort of felt like it's so utterly strange. It's so bizarre. And it's the kind of thing that I'll wind up wondering about if, if I didn't go, like, what was it like that the house was turned into a store, so... No, I went in and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a unique a unique experience. I, I mean, I've never experienced anything like that, obviously. I mean, it's like a house, you know, we moved there in 72 when I was a little kid. I was like four or five years old when we moved in there and lived there all the way till, uh, well, well after, even after college, I moved back there for a couple of years. It was my parents' house there the whole lives. We've always been going there. And <coughs> And even in more recent history, my father got sick. My brother or I had to go there every single day to feed the cats, take care of all the cats, indoor and out, and outdoor feral cats. So I, I was there so much. And then uh, the whole sweep of the house, going through everything. Finally finding my grandmother's home movies, which was the ultimate thing I wanted towards the end of the process. Um, but yeah, you go, uh, so there's signs and there's, when we got there on Saturday, we got there later. We didn't, you know, we wanted to get there towards the end of the day. So it closed at 4. We got there around 3. And uh, my brother got there around 3.30 or so. We saw him briefly. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, I just walked all around the house as a place so achingly familiar to me. But at the same time, has now been transformed into a store. There's just tables set up in every room. And the stuff of all my parents' stuff is like has these little blue price tags on it and uh, I was starting to get I mean uh, I knew I would be upset by it I mean who wouldn't be um, but at the same time I, I'm glad I experienced it but it was a rather insane thing uh, not insane but a rather different kind of uh, feeling and access different sorts of uh, emotions and different patterns of thought what have you anyway uh but yeah, and I, uh, yeah, it was just essentially things were priced, so kind of like at a garage sale or a flea market, you know, you could kind of negotiate with them what you wanted to pay. And there's so many strangers in the house just wandering around looking at the stuff, which is sort of what made it even more disturbing at some level. But again, I, I don't think it was, it was about as disturbing as I was expecting. And since I've been there a couple of days, it's something I've, I've been thinking about. Uh, but I think it's obviously part of, you know, the grieving process of having lost my parents and 
everything else and this is just and, and, and there is a catharsis to it too seeing it all sort of uh, set out that way and now the house next time I see the house it, I'm, it will be empty I'm, I will certainly go down before it's sold but it may be sold pretty quick because so I may have to go down next week or so well I do want to see it in the empty state um, but yeah we have a realtor all set to uh, put it on the market and apparently where it is it's uh you know it's a, it's an area that is in high demand so they don't they don't expect it will be difficult to sell which is good that would be even worse i know my my grandmother's house which was uh, in new brunswick new jersey uh, was a larger property and she she died in 2007 so it was right around that time of i don't know how much it bled in i think it did bleed into uh, 2008 when there was that big financial crash of some sort so that house did not sell and it was like it took a couple years I think to sell that house which is that's you know you you sort of can't get past it you can't have that catharsis or that relief Uh, but anyway so we're hoping it'll sell quick and I'm 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 ready to say goodbye to that house I've uh, spent so much time there this this year in less than ideal circumstances and processed all my memories and everything. Yeah. Anyways, I'm outside. I'm here at my bus stop. I'm going into work in New York City. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been to the uh, the, the office. Uh, because, uh, you know, um, the narrative of this year. So I, I finished up going through the house. Then we had our amazing trip to Italy, which, if you heard those episodes, you came on that trip with us. Right, five episodes: Italia, uno, due, tre, quattro, and cinque. Five episodes in Italy and Germany and Austria. Well, we were only in Germany in the airports. We never went outside in Germany. We're only indoors in Germany. It's weird. I've been in Germany now, but only inside. Even that airport we went to in uh, in in Munich which the Germans call Munchen. Couldn't we just call it Munchen? It almost sounds like Moonshine. Moonshine, Germany. Munich. Now, Munich is actually a cool word. Munich. That's probably cooler than Munchen. Munich. Mu-nick. Oh, that could... I, I wonder if people have named their cat that. Mew. Like M-Y-E-W is like sort of like a meowing sound. Mew-nick. Like, like uh, Nicholas. Mew-nick. M-E-W space N-I-C-K. Cat name Munich. Munich. No, in second thought, that's not a good cat name. Munich. It's good to talk. Hi, Munich. It's a good cat name, I guess. Munich. Yeah. Well, I know my my grandparents, they had a cat named Lucy Fur. (laughs) L-U-C-Y space F-U-R. Lucy Fur. Cat name. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, anyway, so what I, what I was trying to say is we finished, we went over to Italy, you heard all that, hopefully. If not, you can go and listen to those episodes. And then we got back, and a few weeks later, my wife fell at home in the kitchen and broke her shoulder, and that, and she's still recovering uh, over two months later. So there's no way I could have gone into work. She needed uh, help uh, all the time in her recovery. Now she's uh, made a great progress in her recovery, and I'm able to go to work occasionally now so well this is the first time i've gone in a while 
We're gonna, but of course, we're we're gonna have a, a vegan taco lunch, so that that'll be fun with our uh, our coworker from Canada. Anyway, the bus is approaching, and uh, I'll talk to you when we're in New York. All right, stepping out into New York City here, well, at least onto the platform. Uh, yeah, haven't been haven't done this for a while, but it's so achingly familiar. It always it's weird. Look, a Pabst Blue Ribbon can. Is this really a good place to drink beer? The exit platform from the bus the buses drop you off at? Or maybe someone was just hiding out up there at some point? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how it works. Ah, the bus terminal, look at this. Ford Authority bus terminal. Oh look, the Dunkin' Donuts sign is cracked. No, it's not cracked, it's just reflections from the, the lights in the ceiling. It's weird. And how, how is it that it says Dunkin' Donuts? I thought they got rid of the donut part like five years ago. I mean, I prefer it, obviously, with the donuts. But. Hmm. Or maybe they installed it right as they were in the uh, transition period. Anyway, yeah, my brother uh, texted me that, uh, yeah, things went pretty well yesterday. They sold a lot more stuff. I wanted to see if there's anything else I wanted to set aside. I'm like, no, nothing else. I mean, there was one thing. It was a, one, one of us kids put together a, a, a with cardboard, uh, a sort of construction paper cutouts uh, of a tiger. That was quite striking, but I thought it was his. I thought, I thought it was John's, and he's saying he has no memory of it, so... I guess we'll let it go. I did take a picture of it, though. Listen. What are you going to do with this stuff? If you're not going to hang it up on the wall, you're gonna sit, it's going to sit in, in a closet, in an attic, in a garage, and then when, when, when uh, the next phase comes and, then, and I, we die and then the other people, it's going to be in the same place. It's just going to be it's like kicking the can down the road. It's, very, it's, it's rather... Uh, depressing if you think about it but I was thinking like uh, time you know time like when I think about like myself in the past like I sort of feel like it's weird like I don't know how do I describe this oh look the land of beer they're still teasing this land of beer with the hoarding out here. Hoarding is the, uh, the big sign you put up. Coming soon. I, I, I have noticed that uh, stores take years to open in the Port Authority. I mean, it must be some process to open a store in here with all the red tape and bureaucracy and God knows what else is involved. R- graft. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the right word? Graft? Like bribes? Who knows? I don't know if there's any bribes involved, but... Anyway, um... No, I was thinking about how, like, when we think about our younger selves, I'm think I, I think like the further back you go, like the older, the older version of the, the ver- old, younger versions of me are. So, like, the oldest version of me is the moment I was born, right? and now at this moment is the youngest version of me because this is this moment. I don't know if I'm describing that properly. 
but it's weird you know I understand that as a person I I'm aging every second every minute every hour etc but from my current perspective this is where I am now and considering the nature of our memories and how things fade the younger versions of me are, are the old versions of me I know when I say it, put it into words, it sounds quite obvious, but there's something, there's just some perception of it. If you see what I'm saying. And here we are. Now we're in New York City, 8th Avenue and 41st Street, Midtown Manhattan. So walk up to 42nd Street up here. It's been some time. I have one heck of an earworm. You know when a song keeps playing in your head? This one, man, is a, it's a Steely Dan song as performed by a Steely Dan cover band called Brooklyn Charmers. Love your mama, love your brother, love them till they run for cover. Keep the light on, keep your shirt on, throw a line on me. Oh, Michael. Oh, Jesus, you know I'm not to blame. You know my reputation for playing a good, clean game. Oh, Michael, oh, Jesus, I'll keep my promise when you turn that heartbeat over again. Yes, the song is... It's from the very first Steely Dan album, Can't Buy a Thrill. Turn that heartbeat over again. This highway runs from Paraguay, and I've just come all the way. It's just been playing in my head over and over again. I mean, it's a good song to be playing in your head. Obviously, Steely Dan rules, man. Love your mama, love your brother, love them till they... Run for cover, light on, keep your shirt on. Yes. Brooklyn Charmers. Be cool to see a good uh, Silly Dan cover band one of these days. Talking about bands, yeah, that uh, fish show I talked about last episode out in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Fish at the Sphere. They already, they already played at a cube. Now they're playing at a sphere. What's next? The dodecahedron? Uh, obviously, I would very much like to attend this show. Um, it's extremely expensive, as you might imagine. So, the options were you could buy a travel package and then you... If you get if, if if somehow you get in, that's just a first come first serve kind of thing. Apparently sold out very quickly. But these were I don't know like four thousand dollars per person or something. I don't know if it was that bad, but maybe two people it was four thousand dollars. I don't know, but uh, and I don't know how easy that would be to cancel. Like a lot of times, you know, you you make travel plans, you buy the tickets, you can always sell the tickets, right? And if you book a hotel, you can always take the option, oh, cancelable until whatever, two days before. Maybe you pay a few more bucks. 
But this this one was sort of like, yeah, these are non-refundable. So if you for any reason you can't go, you're out of luck. It's a lot of money. So I'm like, should I do it? I'm like, no, I'll just go into the regular ticket lottery. Uh. <coughs> so yeah, two tickets for all four nights, even in the cheaper section, uh, is a thousand dollars. If I even get in, uh, I, you know, that would be the cheap version. If I actually win the lottery, last time I went in the lottery, I lost. I got nothing. It's a ticket lottery. It's, it, you pay for it, but it's just you, you have to be lucky to have the chance to actually pay a thousand dollars to go see this show. It's ridiculous, but that's the way it is. So we'll see. I think uh, in a week or two, uh, it's going to be like a couple weeks before I find out if I won the lottery and I'm able to give them a thousand dollars to buy these tickets. If not, then I have to look at how much the secondary market tickets are and. And then the whole thing is getting more expensive, and I don't, I don't know. If I, I would love to go there, but it's just getting too expensive, you know? Yeah. That song keeps going through my head. This highway runs from Paraguay, and I've just come all the way. Good song. Meanwhile, they're really, you know, depending on where the highway is, is going to, Obviously, uh, this, this strange quirk of uh, geography, the Darien Gap in, uh, in uh, Panama, uh, adjoining to uh, Colombia and South America, which is a dense jungle, and they've never built a road through there. There's no highway that comes from South America to North America because of that Darien Gap. But apparently, a lot of people who are trying to get to the, to the U.S. Uh, have to have to sort of hike through the Darien Gap, which is this dense jungle and this whole thing. So that's where you hear about the Darien Gap. But they've tried building a road there, so. But, uh, but I mean, the highway, they could have been going to, like, Ecuador or something. And I don't know, in the song, who knows where the, na- the narrator is. And I've just come all the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's Times Square. Yeah. You're going to be coming in tomorrow as well for the uh, company holiday party. Return to New York City. There's these people dressed as these characters. Minnie Mouse, one of the Frozen girls. Christmas Minnie Mouse and Captain America. Can you imagine, you know, there were so many years when there were none of these costume creeps in Times Square. And then when it started, you just couldn't stop it. I guess I can cross because there's a bus completely blocking 7th Avenue here. So just last night, I started watching this uh, documentary on uh, Max. It used to be known as HBO Max. uh, Called, uh, what's the official title of this? Um, love has won the cult of Mother God. It's a, it's a three-part uh, series. It's like you know a three-hour documentary, three parts about this cult out in Colorado and this woman who called herself Mother God and the people that followed her. And it just was like it's unbelievable. I I, I almost finished it. I I have about forty minutes left, um, but it's just. As these things go, utterly bonkers. The small, these small cults uh, where there's only a few dozen people involved 
uh, is such a fascinating and tragic kind of situation. Obviously, the most notorious of such would be the Charles Manson cult out in California in the late 60s, where, again, it's just a few dozen people involved with one charismatic leader at the heart of it. But this is a, a subgenre of cults like the hippie cult. In this case, they're all kind of like, they're just on drugs all the time. And that's part of their religion. Oh, oh it helps your higher consciousness is like smoke weed, you know, stuff like that. And I know, remember in one of those, it, there were so many, what was it, uh, Geraldo Rivera, the, the journalist, remember this guy? He would, I think he's the guy that would somehow finagle the, the jail to let him uh, interview Charles Manson, you know, for, for big ratings, you know. I remember watching one of them back in the 90s or something, it's like, you know, man, you know, I, 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 you, you can't control what cards you get dealt. I got dealt hippie cult leader. What are you going to do with that? I'm a hippie cult leader. What do you want? Like, it's not his fault. It just it was sort of imposed on him to be a hippie cult, le- a hippie cult leader. And then, of course, I've, I've talked about this, uh, Sullo- the Sullivanian psychotherapists. Uh, apparently, again, it was here in New York City on the, one of the upper east or west sides. And again, just a, maybe a few dozen people involved uh, in this cult, in this building, this apartment building in New York City. And I met someone, someone I worked with. I forget her name, but I remember what she looked like. Had been a member of the cult, and she w- she would just very openly talk about it. I used to be in this cult. Have you heard of the Sullivanian psychotherapists? <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, and it, and it it kind of reminds me. There's a. There's another documentary, I, I, I don't know where I saw it, about Father Yod. Um, they were like a, a hippie cult in uh, Los Angeles, and they had that, that health food restaurant. I think it's the same health food restaurant that Woody Allen goes to in Annie Hall. It's like, I'll have the bean sprouts or something. <laughs> that was their health food restaurant. And then they wound up like going to Hawaii, which is weird, because this cult wound up going to Hawaii, too. At some point, do all hippie cults wind up going to Hawaii? I, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, the Father Yod. Did you ever hear this one? This one, again, very similar to the Mother God one. Father Yod, Mother God, you know, <laughs> kind of rhymes. But yeah, he, his was even weirder. He died. They both kind of died, I think, in a way, because the people around them were so brainwashed. I forget what happened. Father Yod decided to do hang, like hang gliding, and then he crashed but it really shouldn't have killed him, and then he just died? I don't know. It's all very weird. It's a good documentary, though. But it's just, in a way, these are just, like, the top people in the cult are just indulging in sex and drugs, and everyone else is just, like, their servants doing their bidding. So it's like these addicts and these creeps just kind of creating a class of slaves to serve them through brainwashing basically and it's not always that it was a calculated move on their part but the the dynamics involved in some ways especially with this mother god she actually became in a way a a victim of her own cult because she was getting very sick and very ill and towards the end she even asked her followers to take her to a hospital because she was dying and they're like oh you're so silly mother god you obviously don't need a 3d realm hospital you're a higher being you know 
and even towards the end she started apparently she's like listen I think I may have made this whole thing up maybe I'm not God maybe I'm just a regular person and I really need some medical assistance and like oh don't be silly of course you don't But yeah, she died, and then they did like a weekend at Bernie's with her. They 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 thought her corpse was going to come back to life, so they brought her on camping trips and stuff. Dead, like like weekend at Bernie's. I didn't get to that part yet. Pretty creepy stuff. But yeah, it's just so scary. It's so outrageous. I had never heard of this cult before, but I have heard. So they're sort of adjacent to that. Um, the light workers, the channelers, like uh, I've seen it, especially on some conspiracy message boards, like messages from like angelic beings like Saint Germain like I've, I've encountered this stuff Ashtar command it's sort of a new age mishmash of uh, like there's space aliens and they kept showing like they thought clouds were actually like spaceships they were completely convinced and uh, I think like if you watch this documentary this is the face of belief right you wonder how can these people believe this stuff because it was it gets crazier and crazier like they thought like the the spirit of Robin Williams was one of their commanders and stuff, and like even like I think Rodney Dangerfield was one of like the uh, the angels. They had this board with all the different like uh, Donald Trump, Rodney Dangerfield, and Marilyn Monroe, and also it just. But this is belief, right? This is listen. I talk about belief a lot because my aspiration in terms of my investigation into the unknown is to not believe anything but simply to continue to uh, accumulate clues and information and then knowing that I'll never know for sure but I can form my own opinion about things what I think may be more likely or less likely but never actually believing something in this movie you'll see these people have no doubt whatsoever they 100% believe in all of this what seems uh, from the outside nonsense you know this is belief but everyone is sort of uh, can become a, a victim of belief at some level perhaps it's even necessary at some level there's so many factors like when I woke up this morning I'm gonna go to New York City like I just believe that reality will continue the way it has been and I'll just sort of figure out what to wear and walk to the bus I get on the bus and go to New York City like I don't know. Reality could have changed and it could have become impossible to come to New York City. I just sort of assumed that it would be the same reality as it's been every other time I came to New York City. I don't know, but... That's that's an example where it, it doesn't necessarily need to be belief. I just sort of feel like, well, considering... All things considered, I can't say for sure that reality will change, but... 99.9% I think I'll base my decisions on what I've known before it's kind of a uh, fine point to sort of figure out anyway I'm here at Amazon Go I'm going to grab some sushi for breakfast which is my uh, my ritual when I come to work here and one of those green drinks like leafy greens or whatever it's horribly expensive but I don't come in that much so it's an indulgence This nitro coffee or wild baked kombucha? What the hell? It's a pay tap. You can pay for coffee or kombucha if you want. Heading out. 
Yeah, it was a good lunch. Went over to Candle, a new, uh, new location for this place. Uh, used to be known as Candle 79. The uh, roasted uh, za'atar cauliflower. Pretty good. Look at this. The Winter Village is up at Bryant Park. I used to actually buy za'atar there. I wonder if they still have that spice place. I, I, I ran out of za'atar. It's a Middle Eastern spice that's quite good. My Canadian co-worker is a big fan of Zatar as well. Maybe I'll go try to get some. It has a lot of sumac in it. Not the poison kind, but the edible kind. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I never went there when they were Candle 79 and 79th Street because, I don't know, I really would never, I'm not really, I would never go up to 79th Street that much. kind of cool being back to work. It's weird. It's surreal. It's, uh, I don't know. They're giving out, like, uh, free stuff at work. Like, they have photo shoots, so they had a bunch of props they were giving away, and I, I got a deck of cards. It was actually, like, two decks of cards. I wanted to, you know, have it for, uh, Flea Devil Solitaire, and, uh, there were two decks of cards, but I tried to combine them into one deck, but there were still cards missing, right? So I, I looked in the drawer, and I found a Sharpie, but it was out of ink, so I was trying to write in the letters of the... Like, it was missing, like, a queen of hearts, so I took, like, the extra seven of hearts and tried to make it into a queen. But the, the Sharpie was out, so it didn't really work. It was weird. I, I remembered this website uh, where you could go on via Telnet and like chat, and it was like a hacking simulator. Like, what the hell was that site named? And uh, we're in the Winter Village here, the shopping village. They used to call it the Christmas Shopping Village, but of course the word Christmas is verboten at this point, so they use the word winter instead. It's a winter village. Not Christmas. But yeah, I remember the name of this site. It was called Telehack. And on a whim, I went to telehack.com. And I remembered my login. I logged in, and it, and then I entered the relay chat. And it's like, welcome. My name there is Impcline. Welcome, Impcline. Your last login was 2.1 years ago. I'm like, huh, wow. I kind of didn't even remember. I was trying to remember this website. And then someone on there said, oh, welcome back, Impcline. What, two, 2.1 years? Wow, it's been a while. I'm like, hey, I have no idea who I'm talking to. Who are these people? But I was, like, chatting with them. It was weird. <laughs> chatting with these people on Telehack. Yeah, man. Can I go over here? Yes, let's go over here. State of gratitude. Spread gratitude always. Yes. See, like, gratitude is one of those things that I... It's very important, but when you make such a fuss about it, it sounds kind of annoying. <laughs> These people... Oh, there's a giant Christmas tree here. We know it's tempting, but please don't touch the or tree ornaments. Remember, Santa's watching the elves. Yeah, here's the skating rink. The lodge. The winter village. Yeah, when they set this up, remember 
like five years ago or seven years ago or something they had like eight different like vegan places and then like now they have like nothing i don't, I don't know maybe there are vegan places now but I, I don't know if i can uh i haven't researched it i am going to come in again next week to work so i should see the Bank of America Skating Rink, damn it! Everything has to be sponsored by major corporations. At this time, we will resurface the ice. At this time. All skaters must carefully leave the ice, gather their belongings, and... All these rules, get out of here! Why can't people just keep skating if they want, damn it? I know, we need, we need order. We need organization. People need to follow instructions. Indeed. Oh, look, Max Brenner, they, uh... They removed the... Subtitle Chocolate of the Bald Man. Listen, they should have kept it, even though people were very disturbed by it. You have a place that sells chocolate. It's called Max Brenner. He's a dude that makes chocolate. Great. Like Willy Wonka. But maybe probably not as good as Willy, but you know. But in the past, it was like, hey, Max Brenner, Chocolate of the Bald Man. And they had this grotesque illustration of this bald, fat, bald dude. It's like, you want some chocolate? from the fat bald guy it's like yeah I don't know maybe not so they got rid of it they got rid of the drawing they got rid of the bald man concept and oh now it's just called Max Brenner listen stick with the bald guy okay please what's wrong with these people just when you come up with a concept stick with it why not so the spice store used to be over here oh spice Perfe- are you kidding spice perfect that's the place oh my god I may be able to get some Zatar. I may get it right now. It's sumac and something else. Let's see. Let's try to get some Zatar here. I don't think I have much cash. I think I have to use a credit card if I'm going to get... But I should get Zatar. I mean, it's one of those things you, sh- you should have in the cabinet. Please. Spice Professors. Wow, it's, and it's, it's not exactly, but it's in the vicinity of where it usually is. In years past. Let's see if we have some. Uh, I don't know if I see it. Zatar. You have the uh, Zatar? Yeah. yeah. All right, let me grab that. Yeah. Is there any one to 13? Just one, yeah, that's good. One is good, yeah. You're reviewing your notes? Huh? You're reviewing your notes? I'm doing my podcast. I, I ran out of Zatar a long time ago. I, I always get it from here. You have the best Zatar. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. As easy as that. I have Zatar. What the hell? What is Zatar? Contains sumac, sesame seeds, oregano, and thyme. All right. Great. Stick it in my pocket. I got Zatar now. What do you want? I got it. I was really anticipating having a harder time than that to buy Zatar, but you know, sometimes it works out. You know what I'm saying? It was time to restock. God only knows the last time I bought it there was it 2018 or something. Jeez. Jeez. What are all these freaking. Uh, like these uh, little carts. Uh, it's a bicycle, but then you can sit on it. I don't remember. Oh my god, what a racket. 
a racket. Get out of here. Oh, come on. These are these, uh, like rickshaws, bicycle rickshaw kind of deals. Wrong with these people. I, I, I've seen them in other parts of the city, but not as much here by Bryant Park. God only knows how much they charge people to, to, to go in the bicycle rickshaw thing. Get out of here. All right, where should I go now? I, I, I mean, uh, the Japanese bookstore. Uh, I don't know. I should go to the comic book store, though, to get that comic book catalog I get. I haven't, I mean, obviously I haven't been around. I, 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 the previews and uh, the game one, too. I'll go to the comic shop, I guess. Look at this place, Pret-a-Manger. I haven't been there for a while. They, they've become very vegan hostile. They don't have as many vegan options as they used to. I can't believe I got, I got Zatar. This is so easy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I've been trying to dig the new uh, Peter Gabriel album. I-O. You know, I slash O. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of uh, some of Peter Gabriel's work. You know, uh, a couple years ago, I really started getting into early Genesis, especially with the Selling England by the Pound album. Somewhat into his solo stuff. Of course, I was a big fan of his, uh, his big hits in the 80s, like, Don't You Know You Gotta Shock the Monkey? And, of course, Games Without Frontiers. War without tears. Je sans frontier. You know what I'm talking about? And I know that, you know, like Sledgehammer, you know. But apparently he's been working on this album I.O. for the past 20 some odd years. And there's three versions, there's three different uh, mixes the, the bright side mix, the dark side mix, and the inside mix. Listen, he's not going to make it easy for you, Mr. Gabriel. I've been listening to it. I, I, I want to I give it a chance. I was listening to the inside mix, the bright side mix, the dark side mix. I'm trying. I need more time with it, though. I'm, I'm not getting too much out of it yet. I need to uh, give it another... Uh, I need to give it some more time to really kind of try to dig it because it's, uh, it's, not, it's not cutting through yet, but I think it might. Mr. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Got to give it a shot, you know. What? So, uh, yeah, the tiger. Yeah, so today's episode is called Tiger Tiger. I've never used that uh, title before in an episode. It's amazing. That tiger uh, picture, I I did uh, text my brother if he could grab that. Uh, And he did, so it's not going to be lost. It's preserved. It might be mine. It might be his. I don't know who made it. Maybe it's me. I, I, I feel like it looks a little bit like my uh, art style. I can't be 100% sure, but it feels like a little, it is, as you see in the show art. And so I figured I should call this episode Tiger Tiger. Um, using the T-I-G-E-R from Duran Duran as opposed to the T-Y-G-E-R from... Uh, William Blake? Is that the guy? Yeah. Because it was a poem. I talked about that on a recent episode by William Blake. Tiger, tiger, burning bright. 
in the forests of the night. And of course, Duran Duran on their seminal album, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, had an instrumental called Tiger Tiger, but they spell it normally T I G E R, not, not Blake's T Y. Was that actually the way you spelled Tiger back then? I know they changed this. I know spelling was pretty loose up until a certain point in history, and then they codified it in some ways. The Duran Duran one was a, uh, an instrumental. But I re- I, then I saw that there was a uh, Japanese EP from Duran Duran called Tiger! Tiger! So Tiger! Exclamation mark! Tiger! Exclamation mark! But I didn't want to title the show that because that's kind of jerky. Um, but basically, Tiger! Tiger! In terms of, was it my tiger or my brother's tiger? Tiger! Tiger! Was it physically going to be preserved or trashed? Tiger, tiger, right? All these sort of weird connections and alternates of the thing, of the tiger thing. Yeah, tiger, tiger. I think it's good artwork. I mean, it's uh, if it's mine, I'm pretty proud of it. I would have been just a little kid when I made it. It's an artifact of the past that we don't know quite what to make of it. Whoever made it, if they just put a name and a date on it, it would have been much, much easier. Do you know when you're a kid that when you're, like, older and, like, 50 years later, like, you're not going to remember this shit? It's the next day now. I'm going to be going back in in a few hours to the holiday party. But yeah, yesterday uh, I did go to Amazon Go, you know, the store where you don't have to, you just scan in and then you can just grab stuff and leave and they charge you automatically. I got my sushi and uh, so at work, like I put the computer on the table, plug it into a monitor I take my glasses off and put them right on top of the computer. And uh, the sushi is in sort of a plastic, you know, tray with a cover. So, and then there's a sticker on it. So, like, I opened it up, but <clears throat> the sticker was still stuck. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know. Um, <clears throat> so then I, I, I had one extra soy sauce. So I put this, so I put the soy sauce. This was like a cucumber avocado uh, maki, you know. Put the uh, the soy sauce on, and the second soy sauce I like spill over the edge, but it's still inside the um, the lid that's attached to it. I'm like, oh, that's all right, I guess. I'm always a klutz spilling everything. So then uh, somehow I don't know what happened. I I think I wanted to try to detach the lid, but I hit it, <laughs> sort of like a leverage, or you know, like it was almost like. I pushed it down, and all the soy sauce flew all over everything. The computer, my glasses, the desk. I'm like, oh, God. Really? (laughs) My first day back in such a long time, and I make such a big mess? Luckily, there were a bunch of paper towels on the desk. I used to always have a ready supply of paper towels in my drawer for all the inevitable messes I would make, so I had to sort of clean it all up. (laughs) It was a mess. The hell, man. Why why, why, Why can't I go anywhere without destroying things? And we have this deck of cards here. What the hell happened here? What the hell? Is that just water? <laughs> I'm wrecking the cards now, too. I don't know. 
but I have some Sharpies, and I figure I can uh, <coughs> fix up this deck so it'll be usable. Let's see. So there's, yeah, there, like, as usual, there's, like, four extra cards. Um, usually two jokers and two add cards or two junk cards, but in this case, they're kind of generic. So I'm going to put a P and a Z on them for Parking Lot and Zonker. And uh, <clears throat> and then I have two other cards that kind of, uh, I guess the other cards got lost. So I have a four of hearts that needs to become a six of hearts and a six of Spades that needs to become a queen of spades. So let me let me see about this. I have some uh, real sharpie here to kind of fix this up. What the heck? Oh, you know what? Like I guess the card surface is not really good for for sharpieing. Oh man, that's weird. I thought it was the uh, the sharpie I had yesterday, but I guess hmm. Yikes! <laughs> it's just not a good. I thought start sharpie could write on anything. I guess sort of. I know this seems rather unnecessary, but I, I just wanted to see if it would work. <clears throat> okay. I guess the zonkers, I'll make those green Zs. These would normally be the jokers. Let's see how they can do this here. And I guess we'll do some brown on the parking lots. Brown peas. Ooh, that worked better. All right. Do, it, do, I, do you need to like let it dry? I mean, I don't know. It... I don't know how well this is going to work. <laughs> and it doesn't really seem necessary, but I'm doing it anyway. Just to see... So the other day I made a few updates to the main uh, archive.org page for OnSug Radio. Uh, updated the uh, the artwork, which is the, my newest uh, rendition of the cover. It's been constantly evolving, but uh, I do like this one with the sort of yellow-orange uh, cover with the purple section or violet section, black and white, and little green highlights. Um, I think this may be the final cover as uh, I am planning on uh, getting the print version, the new print version of the book done this month. I'm almost there. I just need to get back in the swing of things with this book. And I, I, probably the biggest thing is I uh, updated the, the, the audio file on the main page, which for years had been a, a central episode called Onsug Land. But uh, I changed it to the piece I did recently, which is uh, Onsug Radio Previews on October 25th, 2023. Six-hour uh, piece of random clips. And um, I only made one change. It's called V2 because I took the very first clip was actually from a song um, from uh, Hunter Killer by Schmirsch that was not a good thing to start with, so I just shifted that to the back. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. This is kind of like what it sounds like if you haven't heard the Onsug Radio previews, which was a series of experimental shows. But I think it, it, this does the job of sort of illustrating a, a preview. This is completely random, by the way. You are listening to Onsug Radio previews, October 25th, 2023. Here's the next random clip. The Overnightscape 1895, 
We found where the dune buggies were parked. 3 slash 17 slash 22, 33 fiftieths by Frank Edward Nora. Beyond the Ultra World. Oh my God, they deleted a few songs. You should get the European edition. It has uh, Spanish castles in space. And, ooh, very similar to space, the Star Castle. I don't know if I'm going to get to the Star Castle stuff today. Did I ever get to the Star Castle stuff? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think I talked about how I set this up in... It was it was very hard to find a way to have a computer voice introduce these these clips, but I found a way. I don't recall quite at the moment. I think it was a, 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 an app called Media Monkey with an old plug-in. Uh, very hard to uh, find, but it worked. It worked out, I think, with the computer voice and everything. This is just a concept. I do think that um, automating it, especially using AI. Uh, would really be the ultimate solution for this type of thing, but uh, this piece I did is six hours long, so I think this really, if someone turns this on and listens to it, gives them a good preview as what what it is in Ansug Radio. So just a few changes there, indeed. Uh, another news. I had kind of a weird thought, weird thought lately, um, especially kind of looking at the show art, the more recent show art from the show here, and the show titles and stuff. How do I describe this? It sort of feels like um, if the life that we're living is essentially a video game, which I know is uh, a thought that uh, you know has come up many times. Usually, it's framed online as, are we living in a computer simulation, right? Um, But to think of that as more of like, this is what we're experiencing is essentially life as a video game, right? Which I think, I've, I've gone down this road many times. If you look at our current video games, right, the graphics are certainly approaching now you know, actual reality. I mean, it's like, uh, it's been this, uh, you know, from the original 2D graphics of the very earliest video games like Pong and stuff, and then color graphics, eventually bigger, you know, color palette, and then 3D, and then um, getting closer and closer to reality. We know it hasn't gotten quite there yet, but it just, now it's incrementally getting closer and closer to reality. Where do you go from there? Um, immersion, immersion like, uh, you know, the VR goggles and haptics and various other things. But you might imagine that as technology continues to increase, um, a video game could be made where you are completely immersed in it. You, not only are you, uh, uh, there's no sense that you're plugged into a game. You're just you just exist there. You feel like you're in the video game character's body, the avatar. And then the final piece of this technology would be to temporarily block your awareness of who you really are. Actually, the person playing the game is now a complete. Temporarily, um, you would forget that you're actually a person playing a video game, and you'd believe that you're the actual video game character. That would be the ultimate immersion, right? And I know that from a 2023 perspective, an understanding of technologies, it feels like there's a couple things that would be difficult, such as how do you completely block off the sense of 
who you are, you know, um, and I'm sure that can be, I mean, first of all, in terms of the body, right? And then in terms of actual awareness of yourself, uh, we don't really have those technologies at the moment, but it's not impossible to think that those technologies would develop over time. Having to do with uh, the way uh, the mind works, and especially one aspect of the mind that I find super fascinating, which is the question of, right, it's, again, these are very hard topics, but uh, when it comes to uh, a packaging of sensations, like we think of the brain as a computer, and it has sensory inputs, uh, and it's taking all of this information, visual, audio, etc., but then processing the information and then coming up with an experience for a consciousness, right? That is, until the package is delivered to the consciousness, there really is nothing there, right? What is the nature of the, the of delivering? Let's say the brain is visual signals, for example. Let's say right now I'm looking out my window, and uh, it's not just a raw. What I'm experiencing is not just a raw visual. I'm experiencing visually, um, you know, essentially two two-dimensional images, one from each eye, which gives a 3D vibe to the whole thing. And then there's also meanings overlaid on everything. That's a plant, that's a chair, that's a car, that's a lawn. Like the meaning is inherently cooked in or baked into the signal, right? So it's a signal that contains all this information, many levels of information, and if it is the brain that's creating this signal, then, right, the fact that there's a pattern or a signal in a biological computer of the brain doesn't mean that it's any kind of experience. It has to be experienced by an observer in order for it to, to exist, really. So how is that signal then delivered to the uh, consciousness? And we wouldn't necessarily need to understand that part. I think that's the most mysterious part. But we'd need to figure out, let's just say, maybe we don't know, but we can intercept the signal and then alter the signal, right? That's, I think, the main thing. The signal that's being delivered to the consciousness, if that can be intercepted and then transformed, you could create this pure, perfect immersion, including a lack of a sense of who we really are. This just as a preface to what I was going to say, which is that I feel like uh, recently, if this is a game, you know that you, when you play a game, certain types of games, like role-playing games, whatever, where you would need to advance, and you save the game. And then you go into the dungeon and your character dies. And it's like, would you like to load from the last save point? Yes. Then you try again and you try again. Eventually you might get through the dungeon and you save it again. But lately it sort of felt like I've gotten further, as far as I've ever gotten in this game. Like maybe it's taken a long time uh, to get here. But it sort of feels like I've made a sort of a breakthrough in the game. And I've, I've gone further than I ever have before in the game. 
And the reason I'm saying that is just it just is a gut feeling. It's just my impression. Uh, right? If and, and how would that work? Like it's a game where you just sort of live life as a human on planet Earth. But there must be some kind of goals or something. Yeah, it's kind of... Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. It just seems... Yeah, like the Tiger Tiger artwork of this episode. I'm like, yeah, that... Yeah, that's like new. That's like not something that's... I'm... I'm I sort of feel like maybe the the older show arts are involved. Like maybe... And this sense also of redoing portions of history of time, like doing, you know, like maybe August 2021 over and over and over again. Uh, it's not something that I would consciously remember, but there's something deep down. And I, I've had that over, over the years, this perception that um, I'm sort of repeating something over and over again until you finally get past it. And again, it's, this is more based on perceptions, my own perception of things, as opposed to any sort of concrete evidence. But there's other times where it doesn't really feel that way. I know this is getting in very weird territory. It sounds as weird as those what those cults believe. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I don't, but I don't think that this being a video game is necessarily that outrageous of a theory, considering... Right. As I said, if we were to extrapolate forward our current video games in 100 years or 500 years, it would be exactly like this. Exactly. Right. It would be this immersive. I don't know. I think it's a good game. <laughs> the game of Frank. Yes. The hell. Weird stuff going on. Very weird all the time. Yeah, a couple hours, I got to head out. I was so hoping to just wear, I was going to wear like this, um, not like a jacket, like a uh, a hoodie kind of thing. But I think it's nice enough for the, for the party. But I was hoping I didn't have to wear anything else, but it's like frigid out there. It's like 40 degrees or something and breezy. And I don't know, I may have to wear another jacket. I guess I'll just have to do a coat check. That's fine. I would, I would have preferred not to do the coat check, but... Or I can wear another layer underneath, maybe. We'll see. Anyway, I'm going to the party. Yeah, remember? When was it? What was that thing? It was at one of those parties years ago. They had this fake alcohol. <laughs> fake liquor. Remember the fake liquor? I was so fascinated by that. Um, I never heard anything else about it. It was... Um, there's certain laws, I guess, in New York City that you can get a beer and wine license that's cheaper than getting a full liquor license for for a venue right so the idea is if you just if you just serve beer and wine it's one price but then if you want to serve like whiskey and gin and and tequila and stuff it's another price so the definition of beer and wine had to do with the percentage of alcohol right uh wine what is it usually, what, 10%, 20% alcohol. And so they created this whole line of, um, like, whiskeys, gins, uh, et cetera, vodkas, but they all had 
low alcohol level so they could they could qualify as wine remember that whole thing and this is like you couldn't you cannot buy this stuff in a store it's only for like the uh the industry you know like the events industry and it was like so fascinating oh i wish you could find i have to find that fake liquor I, i'm just wondering if they're gonna have that again because it's it's horrible the taste is horrible obviously it's just disgusting but it's a kind of drink you can only ever get from in this very rare instance. Let me see if I can get the fake, fake liquor. See, no, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. I know there's a, a whole separate thing, which is uh, liquors that have no alcohol. I know there's a, no, a, a non-alcoholic drink trend. This is this would be something completely separate. Ugh. I may have to search my show notes if I can find something about this. Let's see. All right, I did find it finally. Uh, they're called wine-based. Um, Alternatives to to normal liquors. At is a, it's called a San Gabriel Beverage Group dot com. On premise products. It says at San Gabriel Beverage Group we pride ourselves on our diverse selection of products. Our beverages are made with natural fruits and ingredients and are produced through the process of alcoholic fermentation. San Gabriel is our on premises is for on premises clients like restaurants or bars. In addition. We also have uh, cocktail mixes, and I remember the name of the the whiskey was R.J. Boone, and that's what they have here. They have Ron Copa Rica, fake. So I guess I, I guess it's sort of fake, a fake uh, uh, rum. R.J. Boone, cinnamon whiskey, Petrov Reserve, fake vodka, La Quiere de Oro, agave wine. English Crown, I guess is a fake gin. <laughs> but like, yeah, these things you can't get. Like R.J. Boone is like, it's disgusting. You wouldn't want to drink it. But it's like the fact that it's unavailable is is like, uh, yeah. R- Let me just see R.J. Boone. <laughs> it's like they try to come up with a name that sounds like a cool, like masculine adventure name. You know, R.J. Boone. Ooh, you can actually buy it. Unavailable. Maybe you could get it. Let's see. Twenty percent alcohol by volume. What does this say? From legend long ago, R.J. Boone has stood the test of time. It's still produced with the same time-honored recipe and patient get-out-of-here to achieve exceptional character with a great depth of flavor and a wonderfully smooth finish. A special reserve. <laughs> I don't know. I, I find this stuff really interesting, this, this, these fringe, fringe drinks. Yeah, yeah, you, like the reg- regular people can't buy it, right? You just have to, you have to be like a, a venue or something. Yeah. 
Interesting. So maybe maybe I'll have some R.J. Boone tonight. Who knows? Who knows? We'll try it out. <laughs> Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of The Overnightscape. Much appreciated. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora, here in early December 2023. And, of course, we're here in uh, Onsug Radio, broadcasting from inside the book. Just go to onsug.com for all of your onsug needs. That's O-N-S-U-G.com. Onsug uh, is, a, is a word that's like a, sort of represents overnightscape underground. O-N-S-U-G, overnightscape underground, right? Onsug, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can listen to all the shows. And as I mentioned, the next edition of the book should be coming out soon. You can buy the previous print edition from 2021 if you would like. It's a print-on-demand book. It's made in some sort of book factory in uh, in Delaware, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the new edition because I think it's an improved in many ways. And of course, up to date. You also can always get the PDF of these books uh, for free as we are a non-commercial project. We're also uh, very uh, concerned with preservation, and we really w- would love for people to be listening uh, both in the near and far future. And we have a fairly unique style of content, as you may be able to tell. So all that uh, means to say that uh, now that you, who are listening to this, now know about OnSug Radio, you uh, now have it at your disposal for the rest of time to explore the nooks and crannies. And there's just so much. There's so much content here. Over 14,000 hours, which is way over a year and seven months of content, audio content. It's a lot of audio, a lot of concepts, a lot of fun. <laughs> Check it out. Um, your voice uh, can be on this archive because I think Central's coming back soon, Overnightscape Central. I've been talking to Dave in Kentucky, and it looks like he's uh, thinking of taking it over. Taking over Central, so it will be back. Uh, it's not official yet. I just figured I'd mention it. So thank you so much, Dave, for, for offering, and uh, hope, hopefully, hopefully it works out, and Central will be back. Once it's back, you just uh, check out the most recent episode of Central. You get all the instructions on how to participate. There'll be a topic or... A series of topics, and uh, just record your thoughts on that topic. If you listen to an episode, you'll get the vibe. You'll get to, you know, how it all works. And we'd love to hear from you, so please do. As you are in the future at some point, um, maybe you'll see that it came back. We'll see. Because uh, PQ, who did the show for 13 years, uh, ended his run uh, just recently on the show, and. Uh, 677 episodes, I think, each with its, its own topic. Amazing. Just an amazing an amazing show that you can be part of. Maybe you already have been, but if you haven't been, please check it out. Yeah, looking here at onsug.com, it looks like, yeah, Doc Slees um, did an episode about this movie Blue Sunshine. Didn't I mention that recently for some reason, Blue Sunshine? Uh, I know I had it on VHS. But, yeah, he it's called Beware the Bald, and... Uh, it's about a drug that makes you bald, I think. Uh, yeah. Why, why did I mention it? I think I mentioned it on a central. I can't remember, but 
I think I mentioned it. Anyway, weird synchronicities as usual. And now, if you're ready for more synchronicities, then you can shake a stick at. Get ready for this. Soy sauce splashing everywhere, cards marked with Sharpies, and the like, here in The Other Side. Go down! Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down.
Most people call me RJ. And I'm from the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. Mostly it's like drinking. A lot of parents drink and leave their children alone. <clears throat> Others, it's no jobs. There's no jobs on the reservation, so that's why you get a lot of Indians leaving the reservation. It extends even into um, it's down to the lower school grades, schools, lower school class, because it'll be like they'll come to school. Oh, we had so much fun. We drank this weekend, and we all got stoned and huffed gas and. My classroom is—they've gotten into Satanism. They draw devil signs on themselves and pray to him and stuff. And it, and because I didn't get involved with that, I—I I was kind of like shunned as the nerd. Probably the most dangerous problem is probably a prejudice, because you—you find it. In a lot of places, you'll be there'll be people that you know. You tell them you're a Native American, you won't get the job or something. Red man, chiefy, savage. Those kind of schoolboy names. Huh. It makes me want to hit them, but then I don't because, well, I don't really care for fighting. My parents got divorced, and so it's kind of frustrating. Kind of angry at my father, but then proud of my mother because the way she can support us so good without any help from my father. They need a good home. They need a loving family, family that's close together. I think that they should listen to teenagers more when they cry out for help, watch more for the signs, and give them a lot of love. It was really important, I think.
Where did you want to go? Anywhere, it doesn't matter. Would you mind repeating that, sir? I'm a bit hard of hearing. Thank you. Here's a great new record offer from GRT. GRT, the quality music people, reunite you with the Dion years. 1958, I wonder why. 1959, Teenager in Love. 1960, Where or When? 1961, Run Around Sue and the Wanderers. 1962, Lovers Who Wandered. 1963, Sandy. 22 original hits by Dion and the Belmonts, never offered before in one sensational collection. And now they can be yours only from GRT. Great then, even greater now. 
The Dion years can be yours if you order now. Hits like these. Union, you and Dion and the Bellbots from those great musical years. 22 memory jogging hits for you, 22 new experiences for your family. Two record stereo album, just $6.99, or an eight track stereo tape for just $8.99. And they're yours only from GRT, the quality music people. Don't miss this first. All your favorite Dion and the Belmont original hits together in the Dion years. Supply is limited, so hurry. Here's how to order. To order your Dion and the Belmont's package, call 332-5151 now or save COD charges by sending $6.99 for records, $8.99 for tape to Dion and the Belmont's, Box A, 3915, Chicago, Illinois. Come away with us on a cloak and dagger spree through a not-so-undercover world of espionage and subterfuge. Watch Get Smart. No bigger goof has spoofed his way through sleuthing than Maxwell Smart, the control agent best known to his friends as 86. Fight chaos with Max and Agent 99, weeknights at 10 on Channel 44. To turn you on, the book for women that can bring more pleasure into your personal life by the publishers of The Sensuous Woman. To turn you on, get your copy at all bookshops.
has dominated the headlines at this year's Glastonbury Music Festival, but for the majority of festival goers, it was a trouble-free and enjoyable weekend. More than 80,000 people went there for what's billed as Europe's biggest party and to hear some of the top names from the music industry. Peter Cullimore reports. Glastonbury just gets better and better every year. That was the verdict among the 85,000 fans who squeezed into Worthy Farm Pilton for yet another long weekend of great music, beautiful people and unforgettable experiences. They came from all walks of life. Genuine hippies, mingling with bank clerks, shop assistants and accountants indulging in their annual escape from humdrum reality. Everybody was there for the same reason, to let their hair down or chill out in the Somerset countryside. Seems to be a really sort of pretty mellow vibe. Everybody seems to be really get, getting on with each other. Nice sort of, uh, well, weather could be a little bit better, but on the whole, I think, yeah, basically, it's excellent. It's just a free-for-all for three days, really. And um, thank God, for health reasons, it doesn't last any longer. <laughs> I'm actually from California. I've come over here specially for this. Uh, see, my friend Dave, Dave used to work with me down in Cali. And so uh, he told me about Glastonbury, and I came over last year. This time I came over and now I'm addicted. I'm going to be back in England every summer. This year's festival was greener and more environment friendly than ever. Not only did they provide wind generated electricity for the main stage, but the site also had a radio station powered by wind. Hello, you're listening to Radio Avalon broadcasting on 87.7 megahertz with wind pass. Thanks very much, guys. And even wind assisted mobile phones for the eco conscious yuppie. Nowadays, Glastonbury is a family occasion, with lots going on for the children as well as adults. Hordes of youngsters have the time of their lives, reveling in the acres of space to run around in. And some with an expert knowledge of the music, too. Zoe, who are you looking forward to see most? Peter Gabriel. And why is that, Zoe? Because I like him. <laughs> So many top-name bands and solo artists appeared that you could only see them all by going entirely without sleep for three days and nights. This was Paul Weller in action. But away from the main stage, there was just as much to see and do. Perhaps a visit to the open-air cinema. Or even the dentist, if that toothache started playing up again. And hundreds of stalls of every description did a roaring trade throughout the weekend. Or if it all became a bit too much, you could just take everything lying down. As the festival drew to a close for another year, Many were already looking forward to the next one, its 25th anniversary. Peter Cullimore, HTV News, at the Glastonbury Festival. We couldn't fit it in this year, but I did have a great time on Saturday. At the
Different tracks. 
energy situation will be by the end of the 1980s. We've got the computer for everything, even a personal one for making dinner reservations. How many adults in your party? No adults, three robots. <laughs> I'll stay here with the young lady. You can continue through future world. Yeah. 
last had your car tuned, your car has probably travelled several thousand miles. The spark plugs have fired millions of times. The ignition system has fired hundreds of millions of times. Hot gases and destructive fluids have been created in your engine. Adjustable and moving parts will have become worn and misaligned. Isn't it time to make your appointment with us? Ring Home Tune on 081 800 1635. We're the experts, giving excellent service and with the most competitive rates around. Home Tune 081 800 1635. Oh, no. 